0: Hello everyone, and welcome to another podcast recording. I actually don't even know when I made the last one, but it must have been—it must have been a very long time ago. Um, and the reason why I'm making this recording is uh, actually dodging uh, making videos. <laughs> so recently, I, I made a post on Facebook where um, I said that I. Past thirty-five thousand subscribers on my YouTube channel, which is absolutely amazing. And at this point, I really feel like I'm not doing these numbers justice, and uh, that is kind of undeserved because, well, I didn't make any videos for a very long time, and even when I was making videos, I was just making them once in in a while, basically. And there are YouTubers who work very, very, very hard on their content, and uh, and. The equipment that they have is very expensive, and they do a lot of promotion and marketing, and and still struggle to get to these kind of numbers. And I'm not saying that this is like an amazingly high subscriber count. There are people who have, of course, like uh, millions of subscribers, but I want to say that I still think it's kind of undeserved. And uh, I, would, I would I was thinking like, you know, th- there's probably at this point a lot of people who actually really subscribe to my channel to hear what I have to say, <laughs> and ex. and and wait for something new um, for me to say. And uh, it turned out to be some sort of responsibility, which is not bad, um, to be honest. And um, so I thought, what can I do? And I thought of making videos, but videos, making videos for me is always a stressful event because there's a lot of things that go into video production, video post-production. The whole creative process is not easy. And now when it's like, Winter time, there's less and less light, so there's only a certain period of, of, of day and weather that you could make these videos, and then you have this small time window to make a video, and then if suddenly you're not in the mood, um, and you have to repeat a lot of the takes, and everything gets mixed up, your maybe your English is not good, it, it really turns into quite a stressful event, and I want this to be fun, I don't want it to be a task or a chore, uh, by no means. So I thought, what can I do? And I I thought, well, I have this podcast and that I also rarely (laughs) uh, upload files to. Why not do that? And um, when I posted the the post about me passing 35,000 subscribers or whatever, I said, what kind of things would you like me to talk about? And um, there were a lot of questions. And so I thought, in this podcast, i could just go ahead and and answer some of these questions so long intro sorry for that um and so let's let's just get right to the questions a lot of the questions surprisingly maybe not surprisingly if i would spend more time actually (laughs) on youtube trying to uh, uh answer or look for what people would actually like me to talk about, I would know that this is not such a surprising thing. But to me, it was pretty surprising. A lot of questions were related to language maintenance. So let me just read a couple of these questions. Uh, Someone asked, One of my biggest challenges is maintaining all the languages I already know. It would be great to hear your method to maintain all your languages as well as learning new ones. And then more questions along these lines, like language maintenance, maybe advice on... another person is asking. Language maintenance. Maybe advice on specific languages you know that can help beginners and intermediate learners and so on. Another one is more specific. He says, how about this topic? How to maintain and improve a language in a non-native environment. Do you set up some sort of a micro environment for yourself? Thank you. So uh, up until about hmm, maybe, uh, maybe three, four, five years ago, I was a, I was, I was very, I was almost like a full time, full time language maintenance type of a language learner. Like I would spend really a lot of time, uh, smart time though, I will explain that in a bit, maintaining my languages. So um, for me, it was sort of like, it was an absolute no brainer to keep all of my languages, the language that I spoke, maintained at the highest possible level at all times. And now my my sort of my take on all of this is that it's maybe not that necessary. Um and I will I hope I won't forget my, my chain of thoughts and I will explain all of this. So um when I was maintaining all the languages that I spoke, very simply I will give you an example. I try to be as smart as possible with this because obviously when once you speak a lot of languages, then um it just gets technically almost impossible to, to uh, maintain all the languages that you speak at a very high level, at, at the highest possible level that you have and and improve at the same time. And th- what I did, um, there's a lot, of course, and there's a lot, a lot of uh, factors that make it very, very difficult. Like this person is talking about how do you maintain the language when you're not in the country? Like how do you do create a micro environment for yourself and so on like this? No way you can find people if you speak let's say seven languages, it's really, really difficult to, to find seven people during your day that you can talk to who speak these languages, and especially if, if you want to have native speakers around you or talk to native speakers. So a very, very uh, challenging thing, and I just, I'm just going to tell you what I did. Um, I, was, uh, I was basically trying to make the most of my uh, sort of these, these time pockets during the day when uh, I was I was doing something, but I could still kind of practice languages, more spe- most specifically listening to foreign languages and um, using small techniques that could m- make it even more effective when it comes to maintaining these languages. So, for instance, I would go to the gym, work out, and at the same time, I would listen to uh, news in Chinese. I would, for instance, I would just be on the subway in Taipei, same thing, I would just listen to news in French, uh, walking wherever, just riding a bike, going to the store, making my shopping for groceries, and so on. So every time, basically, whenever I had, whenever I was doing something that didn't require my absolute attention, my brain attention, I would have my earphones on, and I would just listen to news in French, German, um, Chinese, and so on. Now I listen to news. A lot of people don't like listening to the news whatever you can listen to is uh as, as basically you can you can choose what you want to listen to for me news personally was very uh, a very good like uh listen, listening material because the language that they use is very very um like, it's a, it's a very high register of a language. It's not street talk. It's not slang. And I, me, personally, I wanted to learn how to speak in a, in a very educated way. So, I, I prefer listening to the news. And the topics, they, they switch a lot. They, they change a lot. And a very, very wide variety of topics from uh, international politics to uh, the bees, like the, the bee production or like the lowering number of bees in... Uh, uh, Southern USA, and so on. So, a huge variety of topics, very good for vocabulary expansion. And um, another thing was that when you listen to news, for instance, in French in the morning, you kind of know what's going on. And then you listen to news in German and in, in Chinese and in whatnot, I don't know, and maybe in Italian. They keep talking about roughly the same thing. So, um, if you listen to French news or news in French, um, you kind of understand everything because maybe you are better in this language. Then you switch to Italian. Your Italian is not that good, but you already kind of know what they're going to talk about because, like, they're probably going to talk about the same things anyway. So, or similar things, unless you have like, like I was listening to maybe general news in in um, in French, but I was listening to e- economic news or financial news in Italian. So the topics didn't overlap that much. So I would do this, and I would combine it with. Um, with a technique that I use, which is simultaneous interpretation. Because I work as an interpreter, so it has a lot of benefits for for my work. But another benefit is that if you simultaneously interpret in your head, um, it is also very, very good language practice. So you listen to French news and you simultaneously interpret French news in your head into your native language. And it has a ton of benefits. Uh, One of the benefits is that you stay focused for the whole period of time. Because if you listen to something that is slightly more difficult than you would normally, you know, than than the content that you would normally listen to, your brain gets tired quickly and it just takes the easy way out and you just start daydreaming. You're just not paying any more attention to what you're listening to anymore. But if if you simultaneously interpret what you're listening to, you have to pay attention to what you're listening to all the way to the end and it's very very hard and especially if you're not an interpreter and if you're not trained in simultaneous interpretation it's probably going to be very very hard for you at the beginning or in the beginning at the beginning um but when you're listening to podcasts for instance or recorded news most of your phones have the um the the sort of the feature or the opportunity the possibility to slow down the recording like Make it could go half speed or whatever. Um, and you can still work on simultaneous interpretation. Another advantage of simultaneous interpretation is that you are making very good connections between 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 your native language and the language that you're listening to. Um, you're combining concepts, vocabulary, and so on. Um, and so, yeah, like I said, you don't have to listen to news. You can listen to podcasts, interviews, uh, talk shows, whatever you want. Uh just as long as there is a lot of spoken word. So movies are not good in my opinion because there's a lot of just blind spots in movies, like especially action movies when it's just people, you know, shooting each other. And so there's not going to be a lot of talk there. But talk shows are very good. Um, news are very good. News is very good and things like that. Um, so yeah, that's what I would do. I would look for for, for these, uh, for whenever I could I would basically listen to news in foreign languages maybe five six seven languages every day it was I was really I was really really pushing it very hard at that time and just spent a lot of time doing that every day get into a sort of like a routine and then it just felt natural Uh, I would just do it every day and uh, of course this is just passive knowledge Um, you do not practice speaking but It is very it is a very very powerful way of practicing the language or maintaining a language anyway because um learning how to like um, getting back to your speaking potential uh or elevating your your speaking to a higher level or or to the level where you were at, at which you were before when you do so much listening or sort of Mm, internal interpretation things like that is going to be much much easier than when you just didn't do that um, And another thing that I would do was just read books and of course and of course um, books in foreign languages and of course schedule talks with my friends online. so we would you know just chat in Italian for an hour, chat in French for for an hour every now and then. Um, and this, obviously, if, you, if I look in retrospect at all of this, this was an overkill. Like, I don't think it's necessary to do it like that unless you really, really, really need your, the, the language that you use at an extremely high level every day, like every second of your day, then okay, it's okay to do it like that, but in all other instances, it's really not that necessary. Like, for instance, I'm just going to give you an example. I had a um, like n- near native level in German when I was a teenager. The reasons, the many reasons for that. I spent a lot of time in Austria. I was just glued to German TV uh, for for years and years and years and uh, on end, like seven, eight hours of German TV every day. A wonderful German teacher, private tutor, so an endless opportunities to speak German every day. So I, w- I had a near native level uh, of German when I was a teenager, and um i was trying to maintain that level for a very long time by listening to news by, by scheduling these these talks with my friends and so on but you know i i really figured out later on that um because it happened to me many times that i i just didn't have the opportunity to practice or maintain uh, the german my german language and i didn't maybe maybe it was a really long time that i didn't have that chance to do it so maybe five months six months seven eight a year and of course I lost a lot of, uh, of lo- a lot of my German fluency. It was just got it just got rusty. It's just like when you when you're a really good piano player and you just and you practice every day for 5 hours and then you just suddenly stop. But after a year when you get back to your piano playing, all right, the first couple of days are going to be a pain, but slowly you start, you'll you'll get back into it. And a week later, two weeks later, you'll be almost at the level where you were at before. And I think and I know In my case it's the same thing with languages like if i don't speak german for a year or for two years of course i'm going to suck in german it's going to be really really bad but i'll get back to it the first day first two days first three days maybe a week are going to be really hard and just quite frankly most most important thing is that they will be frustrating because um i will know that uh, I can do much better than this, and it's just that I didn't practice German in such a long time that I I just, I'm really bad at it, but it will get better eventually, and maybe in two weeks' time of intensive German practice, I will be at the same level as I was at two years ago. And now the question for me personally was, now, why in the world am I spending so much time, like three, four, five hours a day, trying to maintain... All the language that I speak at the highest possible level, where effectively I'm using only maybe two in my work and in my daily life. When, If I take a break, even for two years, and when an opportunity or the need to use the language arises, I can just get back to the same level in in maybe two weeks of intensive um, practice, why not choose the other one and save a lot of time? And to be very honest, now this is what I'm doing. Um, I'm not practicing almost any of the languages that I know, except for Mandarin, Chinese, and English, and maybe a little bit of Italian. And of course, the levels of all of the other languages that I have learned that I spoke really well, or that I spoke maybe at an intermediate level, they they fell. They really fell to, uh, well, significantly. I don't know by how much, but significantly. And it doesn't bother me, because... I mean, it does bother me. I know it's a little bit frustrating, but I'm not a circus performer. Like, I'm not someone who needs to go to to perform, luckily, <laughs> um, my, my language skills in front of an audience every day or every week and show, hey, look, I mean, I can speak uh, this and that number of languages. Test me. I don't need to do that. For my work, I just need English and Chinese, Mandarin Chinese. Um, and I just freed up this this, this ton of time <laughs> Uh, in my life, uh, that I can dedicate to doing other things. So, so much from, for this is my take on maintaining languages. Uh, the techniques that I use is uh, listening to news mostly, or now, now I prefer listening to to talk shows. Um, and and the reason, by the way, just to to give you a little insert, uh, why I prefer listening to news. Another reason, uh, apart from 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 the reasons that I mentioned before, was that when I was when I, was, when I was really into language learning, um, internet was much less developed than it is now. And news, recorded news or audio files of news was pretty much the only thing that you could find online that you could download and listen to. So that's probably the main reason, one of the main, one of the reasons, one of the more main reasons why I was, I preferred listening to news um, to maintain the language that I speak. Um, yeah so so w- w- what I used to do when I was maintaining languages just to recap intensive listening or ec- extensive listening in this case and simultaneous interpretation uh, during the day whenever I had time uh, book reading and schedule s- schedule scheduling chats with my friends in foreign languages that was the least and most productive uh, part I think just just talking and um yeah doing something that I would do even even without like even in my free time without having any, any, any special object or, or a goal in my mind. just I would talk to my friends anyway. Uh, the only difference was that we were doing it in a different language. So so much for maintenance. I hope I answered your questions. Oh, and, and what I do now is I, I just basically don't maintain the language that I speak. and if there is a need for me to speak these languages, like for instance, I know that I will go to, let's say Germany. I just kind of brush up and listen to news and start reading books and then getting into it, slowly tackling the language. You know, talking to myself, talking to my friends, and then it kind of just like really like a restarting the engine a little bit, and then then it kind of it just it just jumps on and you. And in my case, I just it just works. All right, another question. How to regain motivation after losing fluency in languages once spoken at a B2C1 level. Well, this kind of goes back to what I was talking about. Like, you really don't need to worry about that too much. Like if you if you're at a B2C1 level, if you reach this level, if you've reached this level at some point in your life, then it's really not that hard getting back. I guess the only thing if you if you if it's so frustrating for you that you don't speak a language that you once had spoken at a really high level, um, and it's so frustrating to you that you you are demotivated to even start learning it, then I suggest you just take the first step. Like, just just take that first step and maybe pick up a book, read something in that language, watch a, uh, an interview or uh, start talking to yourself slowly. And then do it every day and you will see that. You will slowly, slowly pick it up. I mean, languages are really not that different from piano playing or, or learning how to... Um, paint or whatever, it's, it's really just this. its essence, it's a skill that requires um, practice, right? And um, of course, some talent to learn it, and then if you have talent, you learn quicker. But uh, the essence is just, just practicing something, making it better. So uh, the first step, pick it up again, and then dedicate more and more time to it, and it will come back to you. Another question. Resources you recommend for learning Mandarin from scratch? Well, unfortunately, and I said this many times, when I was learning Mandarin, when I started learning Mandarin, there were no resources. And I'm not like I'm not too familiar with this entire field, but every now and then people will show me some things, this new coolest thing or this great new resource. And to be very honest, I still didn't see anything really good uh, to learn Mandarin from scratch. My personal approach... Uh, start talking Mandarin from, well, you can't really start start talking Mandarin from day one because you know nothing, but my personal approach is just learn by using, so I would just learn the most basic vocabulary and structures by one-on-one discussions with my Mandarin speaking friends, and say, hey, how do you say this, how do you say that, and why do you say this that way, and that this way? make notes try to understand and figure out the language on my own the basics of the language on my own and then sort of broaden the vocabulary that way just build your structural base up until the point where you can start listening to very basic content and then just go massive massive listening um combined with a lot of speaking no characters at that point um i wouldn't worry about tones too much either just be brutally effective in learning because the load of mandarin um information that you're going to have to process is going to be too much so the less problems and the less obstacles you can eliminate including characters and tones not saying they're not important you just can learn them later um not in the very beginning is the way i would do it and i haven't seen any resource that would do it this way and of course there's a lot of people who will tell me different and uh um I'm still yet to say a proficient speaker of Mandarin Chinese. I mean, very recently I started doing, after 11 years, almost 11 years of learning Mandarin Chinese, I started doing massive listening, um, which is a method that I use to learn most of the languages that I speak. And it took me 10 years to get to the point Provided there have been a lot of setbacks and complete like frustration and lethargical states where I didn't even move, uh, not to mention learn Mandarin Chinese, it could have been I could have done it earlier. But in my personal case, it took me 10 years to get to a point where I could start enjoying the learning process by mass listening to Mandarin Chinese interviews, for instance, or news in Mandarin Chinese. And when I listened to these native speakers of Mandarin Chinese, I really dared to challenge any Western um, learner of Mandarin Chinese to speak like that. And I haven't heard anyone yet. And my all greatest respect to Mike Campbell, who's in my Glossica, in, in, in my opinion, uh, probably the best speaker of Mandarin Ch- Chinese that I've met in my life. And uh, someone who has learned Mandarin Chinese as an adult, not, a, not, not as a child, uh, I think he would have problems talking like that as well. So um, that would, huge tangent here you know Mandarin Chinese is something that I talk about a lot and I know a lot not a lot of people uh, appreciate this but to me this is my greatest sort of struggle when it comes to language learning and I learned a lot about language learning in general and life itself um, studying and learning trying to to become proficient in Mandarin Chinese. Um, so, just to get back to your question, what are some good resources to learn Mandarin Chinese from scratch? I haven't seen any, but I can recommend ChinesePod.com. Uh, this is something that I used uh, when I was uh, when I started learning Mandarin Chinese, and the thing met with the uh, the thing with ChinesePod is that they have been around for a very long time, and they have a, a huge uh, sort of database of of lessons that you can choose from and that's that's always fantastic because you have a lot of things that you can listen to and listening mass listening i think is the absolute key to to fluency in mandarin chinese as well the only problem in mandarin chinese is that it's going to take you forever to get to the level where you can listen to just normal uh, speed educated native speakers of mandarin do their stuff just talk about whatever they want and subsequently, you have to learn how to talk like them. But first, you have to listen to them and see how they do it, hear that, how they do it. And this is going to take a very long time um, in specifically Mandarin Chinese. A couple of more questions. Uh, what happened to your podcast with Tianyi? So this is, I was I was very happy to see those questions. Some of you might know, some of you might not know, but I do have a podcast, another one, uh, which is in Mandarin Chinese with my dear friend Tianyi. Um, and, uh, we recorded about seven, eight lessons, uh, lessons, seven, eight episodes, uh, if I remember correctly. And unfortunately discontinued, uh, the podcast or just, uh, put it on hold. Um, and I would love to get back to it. Um, and maybe even as soon as possible, but we, well, one of the problems was that I felt like my Mandarin wasn't there yet like a lot of westerners say oh your, your mandarin is amazing a lot of chinese people say wow, well, oh my god i can't even hear an accent and well but i know that when i compare myself to um, a native educated speaker of mandarin chinese i i really sound like a retard and this is coming from someone who really is a lot of people who say that i i, I am the best person who like the best the foreigner who speaks the best chinese they ever heard like native speakers I have extremely high standards. I really do want to sound in Mandarin like I sound in English now and better. And I'm just not there. Um, And (laughs) I really do hope that we continue making this, uh, recording this podcast. But um, I just, I was, you know, first of all, um, we need to do more promotion so that we have more people listening to us and um, you know, so that we, it's, it's sort of like we have more feedback to what we do, but at the same time, we're more, 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 more motivated to, uh, make more recordings because it's just natural. I mean, if you have only uh, a handful of people listening to you, then after a while, it just, uh, it just doesn't, uh, stops making sense to you because there's, like I said, there's a lot of time that goes into the production to post-production. So all in all, it takes about four or five hours to make a podcast. So, well, maybe not that much, but it really takes a lot of time. And, when you when when, uh, when the when, you know when, when you don't have time and maybe there's not a lot of people listening to you it's just natural that your interest in all of this just declines but like I said uh, I would like to get back into this and I'm very very happy to see this uh, this this comment and see that people were listening to us and enjoying what we were talking about maybe we will do something again another question how old were you when you started learning Chinese? Uh, I was 26 years old. Uh, is it important to study grammar? Now, this is a huge question, and I don't know if I have enough time to cover it in this recording because it's getting long. Uh, but I'll try to. I, I promise I'll try to make this very short. Grammar is, of course, extremely important. Even native speakers learn how to speak properly um, when they are in elementary school and in high school. Um, basically, what they do is they learn grammar, right? They, they learn how to, uh, how to speak the language correctly. So, grammar is definitely important. Uh, I just, what I want to say is that um, when you start out learning a language, um, maybe grammar should not be your absolute focus in the sense that you should not spend all of your time doing grammar exercises. You should not spend your time learning grammar tables and you should not spend, you should not learn the language through grammar. This is my take on it. I know there are a lot of people who say something completely different. Um, You know if you if you like my style if you if you like uh the sort of the levels of of language proficiency that i have at least you can like maybe give it a maybe like a part of your little thought experiment um even if you don't agree with me just just try to try to give it a chance you know try to um try to have a little paradigm shift and and understand that learning languages through grammar uh, and basing your studies on grammar might not be the best thing like you definitely need grammar and you 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 if you really want to speak well you need to know the grammar well uh, but it is something that can happen a little bit later you know you can st- start speaking like a Neanderthal but you just go you speak fluently right which is I think much better like I said it once I think that it's much better to be 100% speaker, uh, a hundred percent speaker with how did I say it like yeah, to be 100 100 speaker with a bunch of mistakes than a 20 percent speaker with no mistakes you know what i want to say is that if you speak fluently with a bunch of mistakes it's actually much better for you than if you if you're scared to say a couple of sentences because you're scared because you think about grammar all the time and and thinking about not mis- making mistakes all the time um and why i think this is much better because you need to first of all gain fluency in the language learn to, to understand and internalize structures uh, of the given language that you're learning and if you think about grammar too much it's going to dissect and tear apart your attention span you will keep back checking yourself with every single word oh what is what am I supposed to say here why what is the ending of this word what tense am I supposed to use blah 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 um, and and you tear up your attention span now your attention span is whether you want it or not, you are thinking about a lot of things as you want to say something. And some things are just much, um, like, they have, they, they, they span over uh, one word or a, a, a sort of a collocation or a sentence or even two sentences and the, the so-called big picture, right? Now, how can you get the big picture of something if you keep tearing up your attention with every word or every two words because you think of the cases of, of, uh, of tenses and so on when you're a complete beginner? I'm not saying that you're not supposed to learn all this. You, you definitely do. But when you're a complete beginner and you put so much stress on yourself um, when it comes to these details, um, like I said, your, your your concentration is going to be torn apart because once, as soon as you're going to, like, want to say something, you're going to stop for a moment and think, oh, what case is supposed to be um, this word in? Which tense is am I supposed to use? Is there supposed to be a definite or an indefinite article uh, before in front of this word? And so on, and so on, and so on. And you pause about a billion times. Um... And that's very destructive, and people say, "I yeah, will get better. It will get better with time." I disagree. Um, it won't. You will learn things incorrectly. Uh, you will inc- you will learn incorrectly how to learn things, which is even worse, um, in my opinion. Um, what I suggest in- instead is just just go talk. You know, learn words. Uh, don't care about tenses. Don't care about tones in the beginning. Again, a complete beginner, right? Uh, do know, but like, be aware of the fact that, okay, there are cases, there are tenses, there are tones if you're learning Mandarin Chinese. But just don't put all your stress and time on that. Talk uh, and then smooth out these things as you go, you know. This is the very general idea. I know there's going to be going to be a lot of people who will criticize me for this and people who are who have PhDs in, in, in teaching or, say, I don't know, uh, Russian language instruction, Mandarin, Chinese Uh, Language instruction who say no, but tones are so important. How can you say this? Well, I never said tones were not important I just think that it's not a good idea to concentrate on tones and completely tear up your concentration as a complete beginner when it's not necessary Like it's really not necessary tones are not as important in Mandarin Chinese as people think technically they are but practically when you talk when, when when you yell something at someone else across the street, your tones are lost and the person still understands what you're saying. So what I'm trying to say is that even if you completely mix up your tones, people are going to understand what you're saying. As long as your structures are correct, as long as the words that you choose are correct, and as long as the context is strong enough for the person to understand you. Perfect example, and I'm on a huge tangent again, but <laughs> um, well, you might have already gotten used to it by now. Uh, a perfect example of this are uh, Cantonese speakers of Mandarin Chinese. So let's say people from Hong Kong who speak Mandarin Chinese. They usually mix up the tones badly. But since Cantonese is so close to Mandarin Chinese and since they learn Mandarin, proper Mandarin Chinese or uh, written uh, Chinese in school, they speak uh, with almost perfect or near perfect structures of Mandarin Chinese using correct words they completely mess up the tones but we still like speakers of Mandarin Chinese still understand what they're saying so going back again getting back again to what I was talking about that tones are not as important as people think so if we take this as a fact why burden absolute beginners with tones when they're not that important now pronunciation of individual sounds super important thing I think it's very important to master the sounds of Mandarin Chinese well from the very beginning but tones i'm not sure and it's like it's literally like the, the example that i give you uh the example that i give you the, the parallel or the, sort of like the yeah not the example what the what's the word for that um the um yeah example that i give is that it's just like going to the gym when you've never ever been to the gym before and asking you to squat 1000 kilograms a ton it's not going to happen it's not, it's not going to happen no matter how hard you try. You're only going to get injured and uh, you're not going to succeed. So uh, the question about learning grammar, uh, whether it is important. Grammar is important. Definitely very, very important. I strive to speak grama- in, in a grammatically correct way in all in every languages that I speak, in, in all languages that I speak. But I just don't think that it is necessary to um, strain beginners and lower intermediate, maybe even intermediate students with so much grammar practice and uh, put the emphasis on studying a language through grammar. Let me just check how long this recording is taking. Oh, it's almost 40 minutes now, so let me just try to ask them the last question. Um, learning two languages at the same time, is it a good idea or not? Um, so learning two languages from scratch at the same time, I think is a terrible idea. If the two languages are very, very close, like for instance, Spanish and Italian, it's even more terrible (laughs) because you're just going to you are you are going to confuse yourself uh, so much that you will end up speaking nothing probably (laughs) in the end. Um, So learning two languages at the same time as a complete beginner from scratch is a terrible, terrible idea. It's, uh, in my opinion, much more effective when you learn one language, you learn it to a certain level, and then you start learning the second language while trying to maintain the first one, and having help from the first language that you learn to learn the second language, if the two languages are similar. Um, it's It's just technically, mathematically, and logically much more effective to do it this way. But of course, if you already speak a language well and you want to learn a second language. So this is again a situation learning two languages at the same time. That's perfectly natural. Um, say you're a native speaker of English. You speak Italian quite well and you will want to learn French. It's so it's absolutely perfect. It's OK to learn French at the same time. Just what I wanted to say is that it's not a good idea to learn how to speak two languages from scratch at the same time. Alright, so, uh, so much for today's recording, it was pretty long, It's almost 40 minutes like I said. Um, I hope you enjoyed it, Uh, and possibly because these were really very interesting questions and I think that it would be much more suitable to talk about all of this on video and uh, answer about five questions in this uh, recording alone, so um, I could practically or technically make five independent videos, which probably and hopefully I will. Um, thank you for listening. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this recording. Let me know if you have any questions or suggestions and whatever, uh, that you would like to leave in the comments. Um, it's been nice talking to you again and, um, I hope to talk to you soon. Have a nice day. Bye Bye